This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen, Giannis Janais, and David Thompson making his debut on Cottage Talk. This is our post-match show of Foam's 1-0 loss to Brentford on Saturday. A very disappointing loss. We are going to get right into it and not going to waste any time. First, David, I want to welcome you to the show, and just give me your opening thoughts on the match yesterday, this very pathetic loss by Foam. I think that's the best word to use. Right, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, yesterday was very uh, woeful. It was just, I don't know, I think we just lacked direction. Uh, we seemed to just go out there with no aim. And we just, we were passing it to the other team. And I just, I really don't know if there was a game plan. Because, and I don't know, we say, you got, I've heard you guys say this quite a lot. But yeah. it just looked directionless. And it yep. looked like Scott Parker was baffled as well. I don't think he knew. I don't think he even knew what he expected from the players, and therefore, how can they have any? And if they're not given a plan, I mean, they, it just looked freefall to me. It looked like they were making up as they went along, and um, I mean, it was just sad, and it was sort of expected, to be honest. I heard a lot of people saying on Facebook and Twitter that I mean, this was the chance to bounce back, and I wanted to believe that, but deep down, I kind of felt like this team is just slowly unraveling. And the four wins we did get were sort of lucky because people talk about that like it was a good winning streak, and it really wasn't. It it was very cagey and scrappy, and I think our luck just ran out. Okay, excellent there. David, I'm going to go right back to you because that's going to be one of the talking points that I want to get to you. And I want to ask you this because we are going to talk about the lack of game plan for Fulham. What was the game plan from Brentford? Because they had – a certain direction, and it seemed like their manager had them well-prepared because they knew what they were going to do. So let's talk about Brentford first because they deserved the victory here. Yeah, they, they really did. I mean, they they outclassed us in every aspect of the pitch, on and off. The manager had it spot, spot on. Um, he knew what he was doing, and he they just tried to contain us, and they did it. They did it perfectly. I mean, uh, I saw it on uh, – I saw a little post on – I think uh, actually Brentford posted this. They uh, did a little thing with Pontus Johansson saying um, things Pontus Johansson <laughs> has in his pocket with the keys, the phone, and Mitrovic. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was just spot on. I mean, 
the whole match, they just had us in their pocket. Absolutely. Very good there. Max, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on what David just shared, his opening thoughts, talking about the lack of game plan for Fulham and the game plan for Brentford because they certainly knew how to play against Fulham. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm really glad David brought that last point up because it was it was a bit of banter from Brentford, but it was totally correct, right? The, <laughs> the strategy, it, it isn't rocket science. You put two men on Mitrovic, you put a big center half on him, and you deny him any service. And you say to Fulham, who else is going to break us down? And the answer is no one. And that's, and that's pathetic, as we've said a num- number of times today. If you deny Mitrovic any service, then we don't have an attacking game plan. And the entire match was just kind of hopeful crosses lumped in the box. And no one else can finish him off except Mitro. And when he's two men on him, there's nothing. There's no creative attacking play. There's no runs in behind. There's nothing except Christie, Cavallero, anyone on the wing just you know, lumping a ball in and hoping for the best. And, and the fact is, when you have, as, as Mike said in the full-time show, when you have such a quality attacking lineup, right. it's kind of depressing. That's, how, that's what we've been reduced to. Just hoping Mitrich can conjure up something. No one else in that pitch looked like scoring. And that's a big issue because Brentford didn't have, it wasn't a complex game plan. No. They executed it brilliantly, but it wasn't anything, you know, too special. But the they fact played with matters, purpose, Max. Is that purpose. a good way to put it? Yeah. And, and we just had nothing. Directionless, as David said. And that's been the worrying thing all year is that Parker has failed to take this team of quality attacking players and have any sort of creative build up play. Because when we're forced to play without Mitrovic, we can't do it. And that's so worrying. You know, we're 22 matches in the season. Teams are going to know. You double, you double team Mitro, you deny him service, and we have nothing. There's no plan B, I guess you could say, Max, is the way you're talking about this. And, Giannis, I want to go to you. I want to get your thoughts on what David and Max are talking about. And I do want to focus a good amount on Brentford to start off because I think their manager, as David said, got it spot on. They were prepared to play against Fulham. I thought they came out with purpose. Whenever they had the ball, I felt very nervous that they were going to do something with it. When Fulham had the ball, I felt the exact opposite. I felt that we were going to do nothing with the ball. Your opening thoughts, my friend. Yeah, the back end of a pretty terrible week, to be honest. I mean, we we, we um, maybe a bit unlucky not to get anything against City. We, we deserve nothing up at Deepdale. And... Uh, Yesterday, I thought we were really flat. I mean, we the body language, particularly after the goal, really told the story. We didn't want to in the game. They were well prepared. A bit like Chelsea view us, you know, a little local neighbour that's a little bit of an irritant. Um, you know, a little flea you can swipe away. But for Brentford, we know this is their cup final, and uh, they ran us off the park. They were first of the ball. Um, they they worked very very hard off the ball. And um, and re- and the body, you know what? It looks like something's very wrong right now. Um, I know we've got a number of injuries. Right. That confidence is very very low. Um, and uh, it, I'm sure that the brass are going to look at this. You know, you know, I'm a big Scott Parker fan, but we look like we're um, we're all at sea, mind you. Admittedly, three defeats in seven days by only one goal, but. There's a difference between a team that's playing with any confidence, a team like Brentford, that is right now, and they looked very, they were free flying. They know who they are, Giannis. Yeah, they they looked like we were having fun. Our players, in the second half, it looked to me like we weren't having fun out there. We were really laboring. And uh, the the Fulham fans could, you know, were feeding off that negativity, and they were very upset, and they got every right to be upset because, you know, it's difficult enough to get tickets in the championship as it is. Um, and uh, they expect an effort, they expect a shift, they expect 100%. And I don't honestly think that anyone can come off the pitch and say that they gave it that, and it could have been much worse But for the post. It could have been 4 5 nothing. Totally agree, Giannis. And I want to go back to you because one thing that David talked about, we talked about this on full-time, is what was Fulham's game plan? I'm going to ask you the same thing. What was Scott Parker's game plan? going into this match because I just didn't see any direction out there. I knew what Brentford were trying to do and they were executing it. What were Fulham trying to do? This is the first time I've said this since he was manager. I don't think there was one. I, I didn't. I At no point did I, I think there was any sort of organization that intimated that there was sort of any plan A, let alone a B. 
Right. Um, just like we were going out for for a bit of a scrimmage, we just looked we looked befuddled by their intensity. We looked befuddled by their goal. We looked befuddled by their momentum and their movement off the ball and their combinations. Uh, we looked befuddled by the tenacity. We just looked befuddled, and if you're befuddled, it looks like you're confused. And if you're confused, it's because you've probably got no plan. Uh, I don't. It didn't look like there was a plan yesterday, and that's maybe the most worrying element. That you know, the, no plan, no confidence, lack of commitment. Um, take Mitro out of the game, and we have little. I totally agree there, Giannis. And David, I want to go back to you, and I want to just build up upon what we're talking about here because you got us going talking about a lack of game plan for Fulham. So that's going to lead me to ask you this basic question. Was this match lost before it began? Meaning, did Brentford have the right game plan? Did Fulham have the wrong game plan? Were they just not prepared to play against Brentford, David? Your opinion? Honestly, I think you're right. I think it was it was doomed before it began. And I really didn't want to say that, but I felt that way. And I just felt that we we we've been offering we've not been offering much lately, and during this game, they were winning every first ball, they were winning every header, and we've been lacking so much on the pitch recently. People talk a lot about how great Joe Bryan is, and his game is being unravelled at the moment too. And he um, even when he crosses, he brings some decent attacking play, and even his crosses, they I see a lot of other teams they have a man picked out for the cross. But Joe Bryan seems to just swing it in and hope someone gets on the end of it. And it's just, in every department on the pitch, no one is coming out with any credit. I would say the only one coming out with any credit at the moment is Rodak. And whenever you can like pull out a, a goalkeeper for the man of the match, right. it's, it's not, that means something's wrong. Because if we can only focus on one man at the back, something's wrong. <laughs> That's a very interesting point. Max, I want to go to you. I want to get your thoughts on what David just shared. And it's funny because when I'm looking at this, and I was talking to Mike yesterday, talking about basically 11 strangers out there. There's no continuity. And there was plenty of continuity on the other side. They knew each other's moves, and there was just absolutely no flow. And very interesting what David just shared about Joe Bryant. Because, again, I think it also talks about the lack of a plan, the lack of knowing what you're going to do, basically, as Mike was talking about, Mike used an analogy talking about Sean Hutchinson lumping the ball up to Matt Smith, and that actually scared me that he brought up that analogy and talking about the uh, situation with Mitro. So what are your thoughts about what David just shared and, and our overall talk about the lack of togetherness, the lack of playing together as a team because one team played together and the other didn't, and I think it's indicative of what's been going on lately. Yanis talked about, yes, Fulham have won four in a row. We've already been talking about that. But I think that there were problems even within those four wins. Maybe the problems were being masked over because we were getting the points. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I think we did kind of grind out those wins. They weren't the most comprehensive victories. And in addition, this isn't too much of a cop-out, I don't think. But I think you look at the squad, the starting 11 that played against Brentford on Saturday. And it's not good. That's one thing I really have to say, is that it's a, it's a generally pretty poor side. Any side with Cyrus Christie in it is not going to be seriously challenging for promotion. Any side with a midfield three of Johansson, Onama, and Kearney, you, you can't seriously consider that team to go up. You know? And the fact of the matter is, we're starting Cabano on the left wing. I love Cabano. Yep. Again, he's not a promotion-winning winger. He, he's a substitute. So... We have to look at the injuries, and this is not a Scott Parker get-out-of-jail-free card. This is a serious conversation about the fact that we strengthen heavily in the center midfield. You look who's missing. You can't miss the likes of Arter and Deco over Reed and Harry Reed and, ex- and expect just to get away with it. You know, these are big, big absences. And I think a lot of the issues we have right now can be traced back to center midfield. The fact that you someone like Onoma there pulling the strings, he's not up to it. I think he probably had a, a better game than usual on Saturday. But that's not saying much. Sure. So you're missing Harrison Reed. You're missing Harry Arter. You're missing a fit Bobby Deckard over Reed. These are key players that you can't just you know, discount. So I think a lot of the reason why we're struggling now is because of that um, discontinuity in midfield. But even, even in defense, you know, Adoy, 
he's been a key player. We missed him. Cyrus Christie's not good enough. A lot of players across the starting 11 were not good enough. So I think, you know, you, you could also say, you said, you know, it looked like 11 players who didn't know each other. In a way, that might be true. That starting lineup was so discongruous. You know, it was not a starting lineup that you want. That's not your best lineup. So I think there is a reason why that was one of the worst performances of the year. It was one of the worst starting 11s of the year. Okay. Very interesting because Mike talked about, he doesn't want to hear about injuries. He mentioned that on the last episode. No, yeah, you have because, to mention it. You just have to. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. David, what, what are your thoughts about you? Know, listen, I, I agree with Max that injuries are a factor, but I don't want to make it the ultimate excuse why we lost this match, but it's obvious that we, I think we miss Harry Arthur. We miss Bobby Decadover Reed being a hundred percent, even Tom Kearney coming back from illness. Maybe he wasn't a hundred percent. And of course you have Harrison Reed. So how much do you put on what's been going on with Fulman, of course, in this match on injuries? Yeah, I think, I think it's a very fair point. Um, I mean, you're right. We do really miss Harry Arthur, Harrison Reed, Bobby Reed. We, we've been missing them. And, um, but I also feel that I keep hearing people talk, talk about we've got Michael Hector in January and like That's he's right. going to be a, a savior. And I mean, I think he will definitely help maybe strengthen up. But I think, honestly, I think we need to look to buy two more uh, center backs in January because, one, I think we need a new center back pairing, starting pair. And we also need one backup because I'm not being funny, but I don't trust Tim Ream. Or he Moore was horrible yesterday, David. Yeah, I don't trust them as backup, and that's that's frightening because they look so shaky. And any time the, the strikers run up the pitch, I I just know that it's not going to end well. It, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing between them. Okay, excellent. Yanis, over to you. You've talked about reinforcements, but I also want to get your thoughts about what we're talking about here with the injuries. I understand where Mike was coming. He doesn't want there to be this excuse that we have injuries and that's why we lost, but. I think it is a factor in what's been going on with Fulham. So I want to get your thoughts and also what David talked about in regards to reinforcements. Well, it's been a factor in terms of the quality of the play. But I think what, when Mikey was getting was pissed off yesterday, is he he didn't he didn't see the, the sort of effort that the eleven players were in the show right. put in. I mean that you could you could tell that in the, his voice after the game. He was, you know, and I think he was very upset. Of, he was very upset, and 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 I can't blame him for that because if you. You know, whatever eleven you put out there, these are still professional footballers, and you should go out there and put in put in a decent shift. And yeah, we do have injuries. Yeah, don't. I mean, don't get me wrong, but when you've got the sort of line we had yesterday, the really the, the real leaders have to step up. That's I've right. been going on about Tim Tim, Tim Ring all year. You have Russ, been. I, thought, I have been because he's not looked good. He's he looks tired. He's played an absolute boatload of games already this year. All the travelling has to do with the US national team, and it does take its toll. We looked, we've where we've been decimated is in the midfield, yep. and I think Johansson's done a yeoman's work. I've got no idea the fascination. Why did he take him off, Giannis? I don't know. I, I I don't. I think he's. I think this is a very big week for Scott Parker. I think he's got to sit down and he has to do some reflecting because I don't. I'm not convinced he knows his, his starting eleven. Um, I'm not convinced he knows the formation. And, I mean, you know, it was only three one-goal defeats in the last week. I mean, that's a fact, but it's the manner of the defeats. And Preston was abysmal. Um, God bless the fans that went up there for that one. And yesterday, in a local derby where we really should be more animated than we are, we came out damp as a squib. And I think that's where the fans right now uh, a lot of them are very upset that doing the you know Parker out thing, but I think a lot of it is the reaction to the fact that they didn't see the sort of effort that we really need to see, and that we looked confused at times. So, so this is going to be a big week. We've got Leeds coming up, and um, I'm sure the brass at the top are looking at this, especially with, there are managers out there that are, that are out of work and very good managers. And the thought going around a lot of the Fulham fans is we've got a lot of talent, even with the injuries, and we should be doing better than we are. We're Absolutely. Now. Yeah. So what happens next? But it was, yeah, I mean, Raymond Mawson right now, scare oh. me. Brian's lost confidence. I don't mind Christie at right back, and I, I feel a little sorry for him because he's been in and out of the lineup. Um, but but, but Raymond Mawson, I'd, I'd level a lot of blame up. Without Rodak right now, we could be in real all sorts of trouble. 
Totally agree, Giannis. And great stuff from all of you. And uh, I'm glad that we're talking about everything because injuries, I agree with going back to you, Max, that they're a factor. But I also see where Mike's coming. He doesn't want that to be this overall excuse of what's going on. But it does went to what's going on in central midfield because that's, I think, a, a major problem. But we're also talking about defense. It's everywhere. It, it's not limited to one place. So I get where everyone's coming from. But the way that I look at it, I'm glad that Yanis brought this up, is that there's enough talent on this side, even with the injuries, to beat Brentford. So for me, it's next man up. Whoever's in there needs to do their job. And the players who are getting paid a lot of money at championship level need to step it up with all the injuries, they need to play even better. And we're just not seeing that. So I understand the talk about the injuries, but I also see where we need our players who are out there to do a job and they're not getting it done. Absolutely not getting it done. That's what frustrates me. All right, guys, before we break down this match, let's talk about the starting 11 in the, in the 18 overall, David, I'll give you first, uh, shot at this. What were your thoughts about the uh, starting 11 and the players that were available as subs? Well, I think Max was, um, Max's point was very valid. I mean, it wasn't a strong starting 11 at all. I think I saw, I looked at when the starting 11 came out and all the comments were very, very negative. It was a very weak team. Um, Although I think Josh Onema didn't have a terrible match this time. Maybe he's been listening to some of the feedback over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and maybe he maybe he's pulling his big boy he pants play up a badly. little bit. No, he didn't. At least he he was running and he made some good tackles. I mean, maybe, hopefully, if if you see a player trying, that's all you want. But he, exactly. the last few weeks he's been woeful, and he's, he he tried yesterday. So he did. I mean, I'm not going to cut into him too much, but a lot of the other the others were horrible. I mean, like I said, Mawson and Ream, I really they had a they both had terrible games. Um, Anthony Knocker, I don't know why. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he's really just failing to impress. So he started off pretty well this season, but he's just gone down and down and down. I don't know whether that's confidence. Um and Cabano, he made he, he looked very lively when he started, but I'm starting to think maybe he's just a half time substitute because he seemed to lose his legs a little bit as the game went on. And I can't blame him. He was trying to he was really going for it. Yeah. So I can see why he uh, sort of fell off but I can just point across the whole pitch, really. I mean, Mitrovic just looked isolated constantly. There was just no way he was going to get involved in the game. We weren't getting anyone near him, and he just looked just he was out. He was just cancelled out. Um, yeah, I mean, I can just go across everyone really, but yeah, it was pretty bad. Bobby Bobby Reed looked um, Bobby Reed looked pretty good when he came on, but again, he didn't really get too many opportunities. Right. Okay. Yanis, over to you. Thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall? Uh, well, I grumbled when I saw the starting 11. I thought Cameron would have got a start again. He didn't. Um, they could overread. I mean, one of the things that's sort of annoying me right now is um, trying to get injury updates is like trying to get injury updates in the NFL. <laughs> you know, possible, probable, questionable. Yeah. We've not had any... You know, we don't know the status on Reed. We don't know the status on Arthur. We didn't know how injured Dick Dekadova Reed was. I mean, and then you, you've got players like Matt O'Reilly sitting on the bench and Stephen Sess can't get a game. You know, we've got players like Dilatore that get a start. Why not stick him in a local derby and see what happens instead of what looked like a, looked like a retread team that looked devoid of confidence? I looked at the lineup of what we've done. We're not winning this. There's just not, especially after Tuesday night, because it was such a squib up there. We'd need a miracle, a miracle of PR work from Scotty. It's a long way to Preston. It's a miserable place. And to, especially on a Tuesday night or whatever it was, and you've got to come down and you've got to go away to the fodder. And um, this lineup didn't uh, fill me with a lot of um, hope. And as it turns out, it was for the right reasons. Okay, well, right back to you, Giannis. Do you think that this match was lost before it began? We could talk about the game plan, but also the starting 11. We were a goal down before the whistle blew. Okay, that's yeah. I, mean, I, I don't, yeah, we, we, we were done. Uh, and 
from that sense, it was a nil-nil draw, but not that that means anything. We we just we had the wrong lineup out, and um, we need more players um, in January. We need Mitro desperately needs help up there. We need a diversion because Knockart is is uh, I like Knockart, but he's he's not. It's the fit hasn't been there yet. What's his role? Giannis, I mean, he, it doesn't seem to fit. Him and Cavallaro, Cavallaro at times, I can see it. But these players are underperforming. Yeah, they are. And I, I think that teams are sussed out that um, they're not um, – you can take them out of the game or you can give them a little bit of uh, space and they're not really going to impact you. They're not going to hurt you. You need you need another striker out there that's going to be a diversion that's, that you – becomes a threat number two with Mitra. I've said this before and I'll say this again. Someone like a Dwight Gale, because he scores goals and you've got to watch him. And all of a sudden, you can't double team both of them. You can't put right. four defenders in two. And that's, Mitra desperately needs help. Uh, he can only do so much. And that's one transfer window. Mr. Khan's going to have to have a real, but this is where the problem comes in. We're going into the Christmas break. We're in a run of form that's not good. Does he, does he, does he make a change at the top? And give the person who comes in the possibility of a little, a teeny bit of time to get ready for the transfer window. And this is the sort of Humpty Dumpty sit on the wall scenario that, he's, that the Cards have right now. I'm not sure, um, but we do know one thing: the Leeds game is going to be big. Okay, excellent. Yeah, listen, listen we're going to end the show by talking about the managerial situation. That's how I want to finish up this episode of. The post-match show. Max, over to you. Thoughts on the starting 11, the 18 overall? I got a feeling I know how you feel about it. <laughs> it was pretty poor. Uh, I think everyone before me said basically accurate things. And then as well, let's just make it clear that this match should have been 3 or 4 nil. You know? Easily. That, not just, that, that's something we need to say is that it's a miracle as 1-0. We really should be um, coming off this with a very heavy defeat. And the, the defense is terrible. I think David's right for calling out Raymond Mawson. Marshall on that first goal is hopeless. They look slow. And there's no protection in front of them, but there's no excuse for how poor they played. Very poor. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, coming up, we're going to break down the first half and the second half, and we have some other topics we'll be ending the show with. Okay, guys, let's get into this. Let's talk about the first half. Yes, I know we have to talk about both halves of this match, and uh, we'll go through some of the key moments. I'll stop at some points and ask you guys your thoughts on it. But let's just start off with uh, Fulham in the beginning, again, controlling some of the play. I guess you could say Cabano hits the post in the 11th minute, but that's followed up by Joe Bryan getting a yellow card. That actually concerned me early on in this match. That might affect him. And then you have a save in the 20th minute by Marek Rodak, and Mike actually brought this up on full-time. He was just mentioning to me that uh, it just seemed like Marek Rodak, I'm paraphrasing, you know, made at least three saves, critical saves. But, you know, again, there were seven shots on target overall from Brentford. That's way too many, honestly. And, uh, David, I want to go to you. Let's talk about about the goal from Brentford. We have to then go right there in the 22nd minute. But what's interesting about the goal, and this is something that Mike talked about, what led up to this were some bad loose passes by Fulham that was making me crazy. I could feel something bad was going to happen. Let's talk about the goal, but also the play from Fulham that led up to this. Yeah, it was. I was cringing the whole time. I mean, you're right. There was a whole there was a whole period there where we were in our own half and we were swinging it back across our own penalty box and we were just we were passing it to the other team. We were, I don't know what we were trying to do. There were so many bad passes in there from us. We kept giving it away. We'd win it back for a split second. Someone else would just take it off us like rubbing candy from a baby. (laughs) And it was just really embarrassing. And I I really didn't want to continue watching the game, honestly. I wanted to switch it off. But, um, yeah, I, I persisted. And I wish I hadn't because it didn't improve. It actually got worse. And that goal that uh, we conceded, the first goal, was just... It could have been so easily prevented, but we we didn't turn up. We sort of just half-assed it yesterday, I think. And the the defense really, I mean, like I said, that that goal, first goal was so easily stoppable. It, it, that didn't have to happen at all. But once that happened, I feel like Yanis was right. Really, I feel like we really were one goal down before 
the bell that before the match even started. Right. We were just we were like pinned against the wall from the minute first minute, and uh, yeah, that goal shouldn't have happened. But once again, we didn't turn up, and it was just a just basic error. Okay, and former Don at that point, and Max, back over to you. Let's talk about the opportunities that Brentford had because I felt that Brentford could have been up. 3-0 at the half, and here's one of them. In the 30th minute, Ollie Watkins hits the post, but this is also indicative of how the first half was going. Let's talk about the opportunities that were starting to be created, and let's talk about the one in the 30th minute from Brentford. Yeah, I think we are just being torn apart, and then I think that later on, they missed an open goal somehow. Yes. I mean, and then Jansen hit the post uh, off the header off the corner right yes. before the half. We just looked shell-shocked. There was no response. Usually when we concede a goal, there's some sort of reaction. We kind of go on the front foot to counteract that. But there's nothing there at all from us. We looked shell-shocked. We looked just like we couldn't believe it. And, again, it's it's a local Darbet. We know it means more to Brentford than it means to us. That much is clear. But at least the player should have some understanding of what this means. And if there's one thing you expect Parker to do, it's to get the players up to the occasion because he was so good, good at that as a player. But it's almost like you cannot translate that to management because there was no, there's no passion really from any of these players. After the goal went in, you didn't see any sort of anger or response. And that's a worrying thing. Brentford just kept coming at us wave after wave of pressure. And it was a miracle it wasn't more at the halftime. Right. Totally agree. And Giannis, I want to talk about the end of the half. Max was already talking a little bit about it because they could have scored in stoppage time. So I want to get your thoughts about what happened at the end of the half and then just your overall assessment of, Fulham's play in the first half, which I'm just going to use the word that Mike used, pathetic. Yeah, Hanson had that header that really looked like it was tougher to to, to miss than to score. And, and Max had talked about that, the silver one. I don't know how on earth, I don't know how on earth he missed that. Uh, had that been 2 nothing, then we could have been absolutely clean. It. Um, half time, you could hear the boos coming from the Fulham end, and really no complaints. It was a a dreadful first half and to give credit to the fodder um they were they were good in the first half they 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 dominated us they marmalized us and we had no complaints and that's a case where now in the halftime team talk hopefully scott is saying look they're embarrassing us in front of this so-called stadium is what twelve thousand people here and we're made to look really bad and uh we better put a better effort in the second half um, but it was a, it was a, one of the worst halves of the season, and um, the thing that I questioned at halftime was the lack of effort. We just looked bereft of any kind of impetus, any kind of momentum. We just we looked like a squib of a team, and uh, you know I think pre- that Preston defeat on Tuesday took a lot out of the lads, and. Um, it, it sort of it showed in that first half. It wasn't it wasn't acceptable. Totally agree, Yanis. But I'm glad that you mentioned the play because when you watched Brentford going forward, there was so much purpose. I keep using that word, and there were players just coming in waves into the box. Everyone yeah. was helping out each other. When Fulham had the ball, and even when they were going forward, Brentford knew exactly how to handle it. That was number one. But the movement was so slow and there just was no purpose behind it would you agree with that yeah but it's it's the same thing we've been complaining about all year um that we've too much passing along the back four um you're not going to score a goal from your own half and you know not enough movement from the midfielders not enough options you know where's the urgency Giannis? there's none that we think we we seem to think that we can we we should score a goal you know, and it takes 45 seconds of preparation. It's such a, it's such a, um, a universal way from our game against Millwall at home, where we just absolutely plastered them. Right. And not least because we've got the ball moving quickly through the thirds, and in zones three and four, we were clinical, and our movement was so fluid that no team would have lived with us that day. We looked like a, we looked like a. I was going to say Barnsley, but Barnsley won yesterday. We were just. <laughs> We looked. We we were just. We look like we're really struggling right now, and um, you know, it, it's. Uh, I wouldn't want to be a fly on the wall for for training 
tomorrow morning because uh, there are going to be some home truths um, and there's got some questions. To, and I'm sure a lot of Fulham fans are, are very, very upset right now. And the Carnes will know this. They'll have seen it and said, this isn't good enough. So this could be a very interesting week, especially because I, um, the Christmas period's coming up and now we're only sixth. So we've got to stay in that, that three to six at, at the moment. And if, if results carry on going south, then uh, we've got even bigger problems to deal with. Totally agree, Yanis. And uh, it pains me to say this, but automatic promotion, forget about it now. I don't even want to hear talk about it. I want automatic promotion. I don't see a way, even though I think at some point Leeds is going to fade, I just don't see Fulham being able to do enough to challenge that. So let's just think about potentially staying in the top six and getting playoffs because if they keep playing like this, they're not going to, and that's what frustrates me. All right, guys, let's move to the second half. David, I'll go to you. I want to get your thoughts on the opening stages of the second half because Fulham came out fairly strong. Again, they were creating some opportunities. You had the shot by Christie in the 50th minute, followed by one by Kearney. You had a minute later a shot by Cavallero, and Anoma had one in the 58th minute. So you had opportunities. So I want to get your thoughts on the opening stages, but I also want to ask you this question. Why didn't Scott Parker change anything at halftime? I'm going to ask you a question because I was expecting a change at halftime. It wasn't working in the first half. I was disappointed he did not make a substitution. Possibly two, I was thinking of getting Kamara and Bobby Decadova read on because they play well together. And I was thinking, why not do it at halftime? He didn't do it. What, what are your thoughts about all that? Yeah, honestly, I was very shocked when uh, the second half began and I didn't see any changes. I was like you. I was expecting, I was certain we was going to see Kamara come back on. But uh, no, I'm, I was completely baffled as to why he didn't make any changes because I didn't see anything from that first half where he thought, oh, this is going to change. Nothing was going to change with that lineup. Um, and it was so apparent. And I don't know, I don't know what he was watching to think that this is fine and nothing needs changed. I mean, uh, that's just just basic nothing was working and if he shook it up at half time and maybe made a change early maybe that would have ignited something into the team and right. it would have just stirred things up a little but we we sort of carried on as we started and I mean you're right we had a little brief period in there where we were taking shots but I felt like we were taking shots in the dark I felt like at half time Parker told them hey you guys you're not making any you're not making any waves. You haven't made any shots. Shoot. So just just throw some just throw some in there. Make it look like we're trying. That's sort of how I felt because they it was just they were taking chances from places they shouldn't take chances. And you can say, oh well, we made some attempts, but they were they were sort of aimless, really. They would. I thought Christie's a Christie was threw a nice shot in, but he did. They they weren't. Um, I, I don't think we ever really felt like they were gonna actually make the back of the net. It was just sort of to sort of get people thinking there's more hope, there's more hope, but really we knew there wasn't. Okay, very good there. Max, over to you. Let's now go and talk about the substitution because uh, Mike was talking about it. He was puzzled by especially this substitution. I wanted to see Bubakar Kamara come on, so let me just say that. But in the 64th minute, Stefan Johansson comes off, and uh, this one, again, I – don't know why he took off Johansson at this point. What are your thoughts? Can't explain it. Really can't. I don't think anyone played well, so I don't think it's too harsh to say that Johansson's just a player who's hauled off because he was underperforming. But you easily could have brought off Anoma. And if you do that, and I think it would have made more sense because Anoma was perhaps the most forward of the midfielders. And you just say to Kamara, hey, play right behind uh, Mitrovic. Where you play alongside him. That's what Mike was crying out for. That's what I was crying out for right. when I was watching the match. Right, exactly. Mitrovic is so occupied. Isolated. If you, stick a man, yeah, isolate. if you stick a man up near him, he'll combine. Suddenly the double team can't work anymore because you have two men to deal with. And it's a different story. And we've seen Kamara play that role, central striker against QPR to great effect. Yeah. Why not again against Brentford? So it was baffling because, as Mike mentioned, he stuck him out on the wing. It was ineffectual. There are a number of players out there playing out of position. Again, not a plan. And that's the last thing you want from your manager. It was the right players. I think everyone have agreed you throw on the likes of Knockart, Kamara, Reed if you're chasing the game. Right. But where they were utilized didn't make any sense. Totally agree, Max. And that's what Mike was getting at. And 
Giannis, want to go to you now. And what's just mentioned, because I'm going to talk about the next substitution, but Brentford had some fantastic opportunities to get another goal. You had Jensen, he hits the post again. And they were just dangerous. Every time they had the ball, like I said, I was holding my breath that they were going to score. I never felt like that with Fulham when they had the ball. And I'm glad that David brought this up with our opportunities in the second half. Yes, it was a decent shot from Cyrus Christie. But really, did you feel that they were going to score? No, I felt that they were told that they needed to get more shots out there, which they ended up doing. But did they really test the goalkeeper? He had a very easy day. Let's just say the Brentford goalkeeper really didn't have much to do. So I want to go to you. Let's talk about the next substitution. Knockar comes on for Cabano. I want to say this about Cabano because uh, I know we already talked about that. Maybe Cabano's best coming off the bench. I tend to agree with that. But I want to give Cabano credit because I think he did play with purpose. I think that he did want to impact the match. I, I could feel that he was trying. Not that the players – the other players weren't, but I felt that he had an idea of what he wanted to do. It just never came off. What did you make of the substitution to bring a knock card on and taking Cabano off? I'm not, I'm not sure I'd have gone with that, to be honest. I thought and that Cabano started to get, you know, you could tell he was getting some heavy legs. He's not had a lot of playing time, but at least he did put a shift in. And right now, I, I wouldn't have been averse to knock out just, just sitting for a whole game. I think that's the way you're going to get the message across. If he's not, if he's not playing well enough, he shouldn't be playing. But then the defensible becomes, you know, the indefensible becomes then, you know, what do O'Reilly and Dilator need to, to get even the minutes playing time? Or are you just going to stick him in for an FA Cup, you know, the game against Villa in the FA Cup? You know, if you're not playing well, park your ass on the bench. You know, and until you do do your job, you're not going to be playing. So that, that, that would have been my thing. Okay. Um, I, I would have kept Cabana on. And there might have been people saying, well, Knockout's sitting on the bench, but Knockout's not doing his job. And uh, you've, got, you've still got just slightly more than half a season left. Let's not forget that. 24 games. So it's, it is 24 games, isn't it? Yeah, it is 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 games left. So, you know what? Park his bottom on the bench and he can watch the game and see if he can learn. Camera, uh, I would have brought him on for a Noma. I don't know what Anoma's. I don't know what has got on Scotty Parker. Maybe he's got secret di- dossiers or diaries going on National Enquirer. Uh, I've got no idea why you take your hands off. Cavaliero, yeah. Well, it's 14 minutes. It's sort of a bit part thing. But if you really wanted to come back in the game, you'd have made at least one substitution at half time. Right. I might have brought O'Reilly on for Anoma. Uh, okay. See what happens then. But but he didn't, and then we saw what happened. Okay, and listen, I've I've seen other fans mention, why isn't he playing Matt O'Reilly? Why is he only playing Luca Della Torre in a bit part at the very end of a match? Listen, I agree with that. If they're going to be on the bench, they should have the chance to play at some point, especially Matt O'Reilly. I mean, he had some yeah. big clubs after him, so you know the talent's there. But getting back to Narkard, David, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because this is the one that puzzles me about Anthony Narkard. Obviously, it seems like there's a lack of confidence there. But I have to ask myself, why is he playing so bad? Is he put in the best position to succeed? Is it on him? Is it on how he's being utilized? Because this is a player that was the championship player of the year just a couple seasons ago. What are your thoughts about what's going on with Knockhart? Um, Honestly, I'm quite, I'm just as confused as anyone because when we made the sign in, I was really excited. I thought, well, this, you know, this guy, he's, he's a fast guy. Uh, you know, he's got a good reputation and he's just not managed to live up to it. I feel like when the season began, other teams, not all teams, some teams sort of try to brave the supposed storm we brought, but people, other teams played like they were playing against our reputation. They were sort of, they played cagey against us because they heard, you know, we've got, we've got Mitrovic, we've got Cavalera, we've got Knockhart, and they the played against our, right, they played against our reputation. They thought, I think they thought we were better than they what we were, and um, I feel like they, they didn't realize these te- these guys haven't played together long. Um, and I feel like Knockout is just he's off the pace. He I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe it is just the confidence thing. Maybe he's just we had some poor performances and he just can't seem to get back in. But I agree with, I agree with you, honest when he said that uh, I wouldn't have substituted 
Cabano for him either. Uh, he's just very flaky at the moment, and he's he seems like I said with the whole game itself, he sort of echoed that he was he's directionless, and he he tries to do everything himself. Maybe he's a bit selfish, and that doesn't help him either. Right. Um, and fans are starting to get on his back, and I think that's not going to help either. That's a good point there. David, real quick, your thoughts on bringing on Decadova Reed so late? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I don't know what, I, don't know, I think it was just, I think it, that should have been a half-time sub, or, or I don't know, maybe I 60 totally minutes agree. or something. Yeah, it was It was just too late at that point. I don't know what, why he makes these light, late substitutions. It's not going to happen at that point. I don't know if it's just to try and save face a little bit and say, you know, make it look like we're we're trying, but it's too late at that point. There's everyone's legs are gone. Um, the and everyone's got it in their mind that the uh, the scoreline is going to be one 0 if not more. And it's just I don't know. It's just to try and make it look like he's doing something. I think because the writing was on the wall at that point. Yep, totally agree there, David. Max, over to you. I'm going to give you the honors to talk about the end of the match. And there's nothing really great to talk about when it comes to this. So let's just talk about how this match ended. It basically, did you feel at any point that Fulham were going to get the equalizer to get a point? I certainly didn't. I mean, let's be fair, though. I think Knockard had a great chance. He cut inside well and fired it over. It was, I think, a poor miss, but it was actually a nice initiative, I think, to get in that position. And let's not forget Bobby Reed had a header, which he really should have scored from. I mean, it, it was a great ball in. Uh, I can't remember who, who whipped in the cross, but he was totally free in the middle and just kind of flicked it over, didn't get any connection on it. So although it wasn't a big push towards the end, you're right, there were actually two really good opportunities for Fulham to get an equal. Fair point. Uh, it would have been totally undeserved, but that would have been a boost for confidence at least. So it wasn't completely devoid of any chances, but you're right, Russ. You didn't really feel like it, we would have gotten anything out of the match. Right, and honestly, like you said, I'm glad that you mentioned that. These were decent opportunities at the end, Knockhart and, and Reed, and, and uh, good by you to mention them, and I should have mentioned them myself, and I had written them down to mention them, so thank you, Max, for mentioning uh, those two opportunities. But even with them, I, maybe it's the fact that I didn't feel that Fulham deserved anything from it, that I really just looked at it as uh, basically just getting to the end of the match. But, yes, they did have these opportunities, but it just – wasn't enough, and uh, they didn't deserve anything from this match. In fact, if you're asking me, they deserve to lose three, four nil. That's the way I look at it. So the match ends one nil, and uh, it's just a very disappointing performance. The best word as I've used in this show, and we used yesterday, is pathetic. It was just a pathetic performance. All right, guys, let's move on because I want to get your thoughts quickly on the stats, and then we're going to end with talking about Scott Parker. So I'm going to share the stats and see what each one of you get out of it. Let's start with possession. That was in favor of form 53% to 47%. Total shots. Brentford had 23 guys. Fulham had 11. On target, Brentford had 7. Fulham had 2. Corners. Brentford had 10. Fulham had 3. Crosses. Fulham had 24. Brentford had 23. I'm not going to move on, and I'm going to go to passing accuracy. This is an interesting one. It's actually pretty even. Fulham had 79%, and Brentford had 78%. Then let's look at fouls, 13-6 to in favor of Fulham. David, I'll go to you first. What stands out to you from the full-time stats? I think, well, from what I get from all of that, is that it shows that we were, it shows that we were trying to keep possession, and we were giving it away. From that possession stat, it shows, and the, all the others, it just blends together that we were giving the ball away. Um, that's what I get from that, and that we 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 weren't creating enough. We really weren't. We, and as a team with a reputation like ours for creating, we were, we were just stark. Totally agree. And David, what's again? I'm not trying to take away from the victory for Brentford. But if you look player against player and you look at the ability that each one has, Fulham's players are so much more talented, but it just proves to me, and the stats back this up, that if you play together as a team, you can get the results. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And that's what they did. They they were a cohesive unit, and we were tons of individual players trying to do their own thing without 
proper instruction and it just felt like we were a Sunday league team just we didn't have any instruction we just did our own thing and um, it doesn't work like that that's not how it works and no one was I don't think I think the uh, gentleman Jim said it he said that no one not one single Fulham player is on the same page and that was so true that's right not one yeah there was no link between any of us Totally agree with that. And uh, it's funny because Mike Gregg used the Sunday league uh, example as well. So that's interesting that you said the same exact thing. Giannis, over to you. Thoughts on the full-time stats? Well, 78% is slightly lower in terms of passing accuracy than we normally get. But unfortunately, they had more shots and they got more goals. And, um, you know, I think um, there must be very, very few Fulham fans that are happy this morning. It's um, you know, it's not, it's not losing to the fodder. We don't care about them. Nobody cares about them. Non-descript club. But what we do care about is the effort and the fact that you know, seven days ago we were talking about you know, make trying to make a um, chase on the second, and now we're only two points above twelve. So <laughs> yeah, 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 it is really. Um, so it's as I said, you know, um. You know, at least we're passing the ball, but you know, probably ninety percent of that is passing the ball to each other at the back, the back, right. the back four. So this is, um, you know, and we didn't, and we didn't score a goal. So that's two goals in three games we've scored in seven days. Two hundred, you know, four and a half hours of soccer. Very poor. Two two goals. Yeah, it's not good enough. So um, big week ahead. Um, but unfortunately, the, the biggest stat that counts is uh, the final score, and that told the story. That's right. Certainly does there, my friend. Max, over to you. Yeah, when you hear 11 shots on target, you're thinking, oh, that's not terrible. Sorry, 11 shots on total, that's not terrible. Yep. And then only two shots on target, that's, yeah, that's, that's laughable. That's, no high-quality chances Max. are being created, poor. And then you hear Brentford had 23 shots. That's domination right there. We, that does not usually happen to us. And although yep. we barely edge possession, this is a game we are truly outclassed in. Yeah, good stuff there, guys. All right. Let's end the show talking about Scott Parker. And, uh, guys, if you see me on Twitter, I've been pretty open with my thoughts on this, and this goes to just my philosophy as a fan of many sports. I'm not one that likes to change the manager within season. It's just something that I've always been about. I'm not usually one for it, but I will mention that I certainly wanted Ranieri out, so there there you go with that, but I wanted them to – not sack Savisa when they sack Savisa. So I'm, it usually takes me a lot to want a manager to be sacked in season, especially a new manager like Scott Parker. He was not my choice. I want to start off by saying this. I did not want him as the full manager this season. I wanted him to get a proven manager. But when the cons made the decision, I said to myself, I'm going to live with it. It could be a Frank Lampard situation where he learns during the season that it could be a bumpy road, but I'm going to stick with it. So I came out fairly strong with a Parker out and said, I'm Parker in. It's more that I'm not in the camp of Parker out. It's not that I'm a true believer of Scott Parker. It's like, I just think that he deserves a chance. So Giannis, I'll go to you first. Parker in or Parker out. I can't believe we're doing this now, but I think we should. Because if you go on Twitter, go on social media, fans are asking the question. Um, my thought is Parker in, uh, but I do think that after yesterday's performance, he's probably getting a phone call or a visit from either Papa Khan or or Baby Khan. Um, <laughs> okay. To find out to find out exactly what's going on and. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we might see a statement that says we have, you know, Scott, he's got our full public support, which is usually the, you know, the, that's usually the kiss of death. Kiss of death. Um, I think that, um, I think the Leeds game will be critical. I think if, if we, if we lose on Friday, but a really, really good effort, I think it'll be safe. But if it's the same sort of quality that we saw yesterday and up at Deepdale, I think he's gone. Um, I, I'm reluctant to let him go. There are some good managers out there. I yep, just there didn't are. like the body. I didn't like the body language. I didn't like the way we went about yesterday, and we looked like a sorry bunch yesterday. 
somebody, I think Ozzy Cotter just said it was putrid on Twitter, and I think that was pretty close to the mark. So I, he'll probably have a little phone call or a visit. Okay. Very if, good. They, if they get something from that. Okay, excellent. David, I'll go to you. Parker in or Parker out? I know it's uh, tough to put you on the spot first show, but it definitely I want your thoughts on this. You know, again, I'll just share my thoughts one more time. I didn't like the Slavisa out in our uh, season that we ended up winning in the uh, playoff final. I mean, he had a lot of pressure on him too. I didn't like that. So this is more just my philosophy, but I would I respect everyone's view. The fans that want him out, I understand it. I, I've heard people commenting to me about the tactics. I get all that. But I also think that someone deserves more than a half a season chance to prove himself. And I feel that this is the bed that the cons made, and they have to lie in it. That's the way I look at it. What What are your thoughts? Are you Parker in or Parker out at this point? Uh, I'm afraid I have to respectfully disagree. Um, I've okay. become Parker out probably since yesterday. I've sort of reached the point where I'm Parker out. And I hear a lot of people saying that people saying that Parker out are fickle. And that's that's fair enough. But the, the main difference between Slavisa and Parker was that Slavisa had a lot of experience. And I feel like Slavisa, although it wasn't a good game plan, he had a game plan. And Parker, he's new. And I feel like we, if we give him this time to try and develop into a good manager and develop a game plan, it will be in detriment to our season. Because I feel like, I don't think... I think I think that if we give Parker this time, we will end up falling out of the playoff position, and we will we won't get promoted, and we will we'll be, we'll, we'll be stuck with Parker, who is still inexperienced, and we'll, our best players will probably end up leaving if Parker leaves, gets fired, and then we will we'll be stuck, and we will be building from ground zero. And I don't think that's a position the Khans want to be in, especially they were hoping this was going to be our first jump back to the Premier League. But I don't, I don't see that happening at this point. And I, I'm not a big fan of sacking managers either, especially yeah. halfway through the season. But I kind of feel like we have no choice. If, if the aim is to go back up, if they want to go back up, I feel like they have to do something. And it's not a nice thing to do. I wish we could give Parker the time. And I wish we could give him, he could be one of those managers that stay at this club for years and develop some sort of style and identity. But I think if we, if we do give him that time, um, we won't be going nowhere. Okay. And that's a very strong argument because you are talking about the risk of keeping him. And you're basically taking a strong risk of seeing if he can develop yeah. Basically, find his style. I think he does have a style, but really get a game plan that works on, on a regular basis. And well, I, think he uh, could do it. I think he, you, I think he could do it absolutely, but I don't think he can do it in half a season. Okay, okay, and that's really the issue here, Max. Right. What are your thoughts about what we're talking about, and what's your view of Parker and Parker? I think there's good argument from David there. Very strong argument for making the change now. And, and I'm glad that we're having a really good constructive discussion on it. I know I'm on the other side of this, but I see where David's coming from. He's making a very strong statement there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think David brought up the great point that, listen, in an ideal world, Parker gets as many months or years as he wants to implement a style, but we're in the championship. And in this situation, it's a disaster. If the longer you stay in the league, the worse it gets, essentially because he's right, the best players will leave, we'll have to start over, and longer it takes after you get relegated, um, you lose those parachute payments, and we're, we're going to remember the, the really poor years when we, didn't, we, we sacked Kit Simmons, we didn't have a permanent manager. That kind of lull is something we want to avoid. We want to be challenging, and the longer it gets, you lose your best players, and you're just in this doldrum of the championship mid-table, bottom and you're not going to get back in the Premier League. So there is that necessary push to get up as soon as possible and you can't just wait around with the manager. That being said, I'm not not in for sacking Parker now. I can't say that he should be sacked. I think he has big issues. I think he has to prove himself certainly in the festive period, but I think it's too early to sack him. You look at the facts. We're sixth in the league. Yes, we're only three points above 12th, but we're still in the playoff places. 
You cannot sack a manager in the top six. That's personally my view. Results have been poor, certainly, but this is a man who, with as in, as things stands, would be in the playoffs. And you simply have to look at the facts like that and say it's not been terrible. It's certainly been below expectations, but I think a lot of the expectations were naive. We thought we could walk the championship. We thought we had the best squad on paper. All those things might have been true, but we should have known better back in August. We should have known better that this is one of the most grueling leagues in the world. And just because we have a couple of nice players doesn't mean we're going to get automatic promotion. I think the expectations are a bit too high. I think this is a playoff team. And Parker has it in the playoffs now. We'll learn a lot about them, I think, against Leeds, against Luton. And then if you actually look at our festive fixture list, it's Luton, uh, I believe, it's Reading, and Stoke. Those are winnable matches. And suddenly you're going into the new year uh, in the FA Cup break in a totally different story. So I think you give Parker, I think, until the new year at least. It would be a shame to sack him now and you see how the team does that. Okay. But back to Giannis's point, even though we know Tony Khan is bringing in the players, if the results don't go our way, Max, this is the counter to your argument, give them to January. Say it goes the wrong way. Would you then in January to give a, a new head coach a chance to acclimate to new players, getting new players in, would you do it in January if things go from bad to worse? I mean, it really depends. I mean, if, if let's say, I think Mike brought up a kind of nightmare scenario on the podcast yesterday in the fact that we lose against Leeds and then we lose against Luton because it's yeah. a tough place to go. Then we have five losses in a row and suddenly we, we easily could have been 13th or 14th. And in that situation, I definitely consider it. But uh, barring that complete disaster, six losses, seven losses in a row, I, I, I can't insist doing it. I really can't. And you've made a good point. In past seasons, full of sack managers willy-nilly. You know, look, look at just last season in the Premier League. We had three managers in one season. We all like to say, oh, you know, we hate the sack of manager. It's always tough. But you look at the track record of these owners, and the cons are very trigger-happy. They say the right things, and maybe the sackings are in the best interest of the club, but we go through managers very quickly in recent years. So it wouldn't shock me, again, to see Parker sacked. But I don't, I don't think it would be a good decision right now. Okay, very good. Great show, guys. Fantastic show. I thought we covered a lot in this hour. David, before we go, I want to thank you for joining us in your debut episode. You did an excellent job. Thank you for joining Giannis, myself, and Max. Well, thank you. It was great to be on. Okay, fantastic. Giannis, any final thoughts before we go? No, I'm, I'm uh, after the show, I'm going to go down to see some of my relatives and um, some of the Fulham players that played yesterday are making the journey down to the donkey sanctuary of canada it's about 40 kilometers from here um i'm sure i'm going to see some of the players from yesterday in their cages because that's where they should be to be honest okay mr cohen final thoughts before we go I, i'm i'm done man it's that brentford loss was was a low point of the season uh, and I think we always seem to have low points of the season in this mid-December range. I mean, when was that Sunderland loss? I think that was the 15th of December, 16th of December, 2017. And we remember what happened after that. Different situation, of course. But Fulham have always started season slow. This is the best start to a championship season I think we've had in, in, in recent memory, honestly. At this point in, in past seasons, we'd been 8th or ninth or 10th chasing the playoffs. This is a situation where we're actually in the playoffs. I think we need to take a step back and realize that this is uncharted territory for us. We're used to making that late push. But right now, heading into the festive period, we are in the playoffs. So it could be a lot worse. That's one thing I have to say. And I know expectations are high, but this is not a disaster by any means. Okay, excellent. Like I mentioned, great show, guys. And uh, we're going to have many, many Ooh. shows for the rest of uh, this calendar year and going into next year. I look forward to doing more shows. But it is time to wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk. For David Thompson, Max Cohen, and Yash Janais, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. 
See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.